This morning, the last Sunday of the month, we normally devote to our theme for the year. And our theme for the year is, Speak, O Lord. The very first verse of that song says, Speak, O Lord, to receive the food of your holy word. Speak, O Lord, to receive the food of your holy word. It is an understatement to the extreme to say that we are completely dependent upon the word of God for our spiritual nourishment. The Word of God feeds us. In fact, you find in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, when Paul was leaving the elders after meeting them at Miletus, the elders from Ephesus, he commends them to the Word of God, which is to, which is to be enabled to build them up and to feed their souls. Feed the church of God, he will say in verse 28. The Word of God is to build us up. We are to nourish ourselves with the Word of God. Apart from that Word of God, we starve to death spiritually. And so this morning, we will look at some aspects about how the Word of God feeds us so we can understand and appreciate more how the Lord speaks to us through His Word. A few things to kind of get our minds working together. First of all, think of the Word of God, you think of it as a source of truth. John will say in his gospel, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word, thy word is truth. Sanctify them through the word, the word is truth. The word contains the truth about who we are. The word contains the truth about how we began. The word contains the truth about where we end. The word contains the truth about morality. The word contains the truth about humanity and human behavior. The Word contains the truth, and contained in that truth is all we need, Peter will say, to be fully equipped, to be appreciated, appreciated by God, to be presentable to Him as a holy sacrifice. The Word of God, first of all, is a source of truth. Second of all, it's the source of happiness as well. The Word of God is the source of happiness as well. In fact, you'll find the psalmist will say, Blessed is he who seeks my commandments, and whose heart is my delight. And then it will say, I delight in your commands, O God. You find then the Word of God pre appreciates, or the Word of God then enables us to have life with Him and to have life with happiness. You'll find the Beatitudes over and over again have that statement that begins, blessed. That word blessed looks at content. It looks at successful it looks at happy. That's the statement that you find in the Psalms as well. Blessed is he who seeks my commandments and in whose heart they are your delight. We are blessed. We are happy. We are successful. We are content when the word of God is feeding us. The third thing that we see, it's also the source of victory. Paul will say in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, concerning the soldier that's going to equip himself, to be equipped with the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. In other words, the Word of God is the sword that we take into battle against Satan. Jesus used it this way in his defense against the temptations that Satan tried to solicit him with. When it was turning the bread, uh, the, the stones to bread, 
it was, it is written. When it had to do with casting himself off the temple, it was, it is written. When it had to do with bowing down before him, it had to do with, it is written. Every time, every time Satan tried to make an assault against Jesus, Jesus referred to, it is written. Paul will say, I would not have known covetousness. I would not know sin. Had the law not said, had the word of God not said. The word of God is the sword of the spirit that we take into battle against him. It's that word that we have when we are tempted that we then pull up before Satan that gives us our ability to fight. Then finally, we see it's a source of power as well. The word of God is a source of power. In Hebrews chapter 4, it talks about that the Word of God is able to discern our spirits and is quick and is living and is powerful. The Word is powerful. The Word is able to discern our spirits, to define soul, soul and marrow, to present ourselves so we understand how we stand before God. It's able to divide. It's able to provide the power that we need. There should be no one who imbibes upon the Word of God that is absent the power to be able to stand against the forces of Satan. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 6, three times he will talk about being able to stand. The strength of the Lord is going to provide us the ability to stand, and a part of that is through the Word of God. It is our source of power. And then, we see it's our source of guidance as well. Throughout the 119th Psalm, you see this repeated often over and over again. You see the testimony of the Lord, the law of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord. He appeals to those laws. He appeals to the commandments. He appeals to the Word of God to direct him and to guide him. And then we see it's also the source. It's also the source of our growth. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verses 16 through 17, Paul, writing to the young evangelist Timothy, tells him as an evangelist, here's how you accomplish your work. The Word of God has been breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Pause. That expression, man of God, is used over 70 times in the Old Testament. And every time that phrase is used, it always points to the one who is the teacher of the Word, the one who's carrying the Word. Now put that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Here Paul is writing to the young evangelist and says, Timothy, I'm charging you, you preach the word. It's been God-breathed. It's given by God, and it's profitable for these things. The thing you need in your toolbox, Timothy, to be the man of God, to teach the word of God, is all found in Scripture, and that will enable you to be complete, thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Now, secondary, if that's true for the man that carries the word of God, it should also secondarily be true for we who receive the Word of God. If it's able to equip the speaker of the Word to do His work, it ought to be able to equip the listener of the Word of God to accomplish what God has asked the listener to do as well. But there's a primary consideration and a secondary consideration. And so the Word of God is able to equip us. The Word of God is able to help us grow to be spiritually mature. Look in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And look beginning in verse 23 of 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 23, and read with me. 
Verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, and since your love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because all flesh is as the grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away, and the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. There's some things out of this passage I want us to see now about what the Word of God is and does for us. If these six things are true about the Word of God, that it is indeed the source of truth, the source of our happiness, the source of our victory, the source of our power, the source of our guidance, and the source of our growth, then there's something we need to see about what the Word of God is and does for us. So when we think about that, I want you to look, first of all, that the Word of God has life in itself. Back again to verse 23 and 24. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, the Word of God which lives and abides forever. The Word of God is living. The Word of God is living. The Word of God is alive. If it weren't alive, it couldn't discern the spirit of man. But the Word of God is living. The Word of God is alive. But notice what's taking place here. All flesh is as the grass. All the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and it falls away. Everything is decaying. Everything around is dying. This world is dying. Everything around us is dying. But notice what he says. The contrast is everything around us is dying, but the Word's not. The Word is living. The Word's alive. And the Word's producing something. The Word is living, he's telling us. And so he says, the Word which is living, the, the living Word. The Word of God's not dead. The Word of God is living. It's living because the source is powerful. It's living because the God from whom it came is living. And so the first thing he wants us to see is, the Word of God has life in itself. And having life in itself... It's able also then, secondly, to produce life. The Word of God is able to give life. Quick on the trigger there. The Word of God also is living and gives life. Look at that again. Verse 20, 20, 25. Now this is the Word by which the Gospel was preached to you. The Word, the Gospel was preached to you to give life. The Word is living and the Word also gives life life. When you think about that, turn to the book of John just a moment with me. Turn to John chapter 5. Look at John chapter 5. Look at what he will say, beginning in verse 46. For if you believe Moses... You would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe my writings, 
How will you believe my words? Look at John chapter 6. Look at verses 63 and 64. It's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray Him. Did you get verse 63? It's the Spirit who gives life, not the flesh. The words that I speak are spirit and life. Spirit and life. Back in John chapter 5, you see believe and life. Believe and eternal life. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Look at verses 48 and 49. John chapter 12, 48 and 49. He who rejects me does not receive my words and has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. Now, verse 49 is important. For I have not spoken my own authority, but the Father sent me, gave a commandment, and I should say what I should speak, and I know this commandment is everlasting life. Therefore, whatever I speak, just as the Father told me, so I speak. Jesus said, the words I'm speaking to you are spirit and life, and the words I speak to you come from the Father Himself. He gave me these words to speak. He sent me to speak these words. And speaking these words, they are everlasting words. They give everlasting life. And so, the Word of God not only has life in itself, the Word of God also gives life. But I want you to see something else about this. It not only gives life, the Word of God also sustains life. Go back to 1 Peter again. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Look again at the passage that we read. Begin again in verse 23. Having been born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. That Word of God gives life by enabling us to be born again. Every born again individual has been born again because the truth has been implanted in their hearts. James will say it this way in James chapter 1. God's Word brings forth life. God's Word, the truth, brings forth life. We've been begotten by the Word of God. The Word of God gives life. We are begotten by the Word of God. The Word of God brings life to us, but it sustains that life as well. Every child of God, everyone who's been begotten by the Word of God has been given that life by the Word. But it sustains us in life as well. When we think about that, you think about the Word sustaining us in life. If you at work and you call home and you ask your mate who's home I'm not, going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to make it home for supper tonight will you please eat a meal for me that's not going to do us much good is it in fact if you invite me over to your house for a meal and all we do is sit and look at it the meal's not going to do much to provide life, is it? To sustain life. To sustain life, we have to partake of it. In fact, look again at the word that is used in verse 3 of chapter 2. If indeed you have tasted 
The Lord is gracious. That's out of the 34th Psalm. If indeed you have tasted, the Lord is gracious. What does it mean to taste the Lord? How do you taste the Lord and see if He's gracious? That word taste is experience. It's used in Mark chapter 9 and verse 1 when it says, There's some of you standing here who shall not taste death until you see the Spirit come with power. There's some of you standing here who shall not experience death until you see the Spirit come with power. Here you have this Word of God that gives life, but experiencing the Word of God helps us also sustain that life. Now, why is that true? Because the Word is perennial. The Word never fades away. The Word always is alive. Can you find a book on mathematics and science that's 2,000 years old that is as pertinent and alive today as the Word of God? The Word of God also is not obsolete. It is just as important and just as valuable today as the way it was 2,000 years ago when the apostles spoke it and the Lord gave it. It never fades. It's never out of date. It's never obsolete. The Word of God also is indestructible. Remember what the Lord said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but not a word of mine shall pass away. All flesh as as the grass shall pass away, but the Word of God endures forever. Everlasting life is indestructible. In fact, history tells us that Diocletian, when he was in power over Rome, that what he tried to do was he tried to rid Rome of all the Bibles. He thought he destroyed every Bible in Rome. But there was one problem. When Constantinople came into power, there were some Bibles that showed up, and he instituted Christianity as the state religion. More recent than Diocletian, though it's 1776, Voltaire, the noted skeptic, who said the Word of God was written by a bunch of imbeciles, also said within a hundred years from now, the Word of God will be destroyed, will be no more. However, in 1933, the British Museum bought from Russia one of the oldest existing manuscripts for half a million dollars. At that same time, the work of Voltaire could have been bought for eight cents. The Word of God is indestructible. But furthermore, the Word of God bears fruit in giving us that life. Look at Philippians chapter 1. Look back at Philippians chapter 1. Look at verses 9 through 11 of Philippians 1. Listen to what he says. Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And this I pray, pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. I pray you will be, you'll grow in knowledge. I pray you'll grow in discernment. And I pray that you will continue to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God gives life and sustains life and produces fruit in our life. 
That's what the Word of God is doing for us today. When we read a passage like Galatians chapter 5, and 22 and 23 and following, and you see about the fruit of the Spirit. That's not the fruits of the Spirit. That's the fruit of the Spirit. How do we understand how to become long-suffering? How do we understand to become kind? How do we understand to become gentle? How do we understand to become temperate? How do we understand to be faithful? How do we understand to be filled with joy? How do we all learn that? We learn that because the Word of God has implanted that into our hearts. You see, the Word of God giving life and sustains life didn't come because God said, I want you to be saved by following this example. I want you to be saved by coming into a building. No, He said, I want you to be saved. This is how I want you to be saved. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation. And that gospel was presented. But it wasn't accepted by all because it seemed to be foolishness. And Paul will say in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it seemed foolishness to those who were wise in this world. The foolishness of God, though, was greater than the wisdom of man. And the foolishness of God was found in the gospel which was preached that's able to give life and able to sustain our life. That's what the Word of God does for us. That's why we come and say, Speak, O Lord. Feed us your truth. We, die, we, we hunger for the Word of God. In Jeremiah chapter 5, you hear Jeremiah saying, When the Word came, I ate it. And it was a delight and a joy to my heart. And the psalmist will say, It is like, it is greater than, sweeter than honey. Here, a joy and delight to my heart, but it's sweeter than honey. Here's the Word of God. And it's sweeter than honey and gives us great delight when we begin to take the Word of God into our heart. It fills us with joy. It completes us. It helps save us. The Word of God also sustains our life then. It sustains our joy. But the fourth thing and final thing I want you to see is the Word of God transforms life. And go back to 1 Peter chapter 2 for this. 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice what he says. Therefore, in view of all this that's passing away, with word, everything's living. Lay aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. If that's the carnal man, then what he's saying is the spiritual man will be transformed so that those things are not part of his life. John in his epistle, the first John will say this, I've written to you older men because you're mature. I've written to you younger men because you're strong. And the Word of God abides in you forever. Here he says, if we want to have good relationships... The gospel is a thing that will transform our lives to have those good relationships. One of my favorite people books. One of the first books I have the young men read who come and work with me in our a training arrangement is a book written by Dale Carnegie that is as ancient as it can be today. Written How to Win Friends and Influence People. There is an updated version to that. But my favorite is the old original. 
the problem with the old original is it has illustrations that the new generation doesn't appreciate, so it was updated for gen illustrations the new generation could appreciate. Not many of our people understand who Schwab was. Not many of our people understand who Capone was. And those are some of his illustrations. But the point I'm making is this. When you read Carnegie's book on how to win friends and influence people, all ten of those principles are people principles. And all ten of those principles come straight from the Word of God. The Word of God is people-oriented. And what he says is, if we want to lay aside all malice, that's my attitude towards somebody else, deceit, how I speak about somebody else, hypocrisy, how I represent myself to be somebody else, envy, how I desire something you have and will take your life to, and evil speaking, speaking evil. If I want to rid myself of all those things, the gospel, the gospel is a thing that will transform my life. In fact, Paul will say in Ephesians chapter 4, put away lying and speak every word for edification and for building up. Lying is a part of that old man, but speaking truth in every word is for building up. That's the Word of God. The Word of God not only saves our souls, the Word of God will transform our lives and change our character and change our behavior and change our attitude toward one another. Now, having said all that, do you see why we would say, Speak, O Lord? Feed us your Word. We come to feed on your Word. Because all year long, what we're going to see is, we're going to see how the Word gives life, we're going to see how the Word sustains life, and we're going to see how the Word of God transforms life because it is living and active today. At the end of the year, we will have spent time then immersing ourselves into the Word of God and being fed by it and be better and changed because of it. But I'm going to go back to one more thing I said earlier. And I will go back to this statement in verse 2, verse 3 of chapter 2. Indeed, if you have tasted, the Lord is gracious. The Word of God is intended to motivate us to experience all the Lord has to offer. In Hebrews chapter 6, in that foreboding passage that he gives there, about it's impossible to call some to repentance, because... They've tasted the heavenly gift. They've been enlightened. They've been quickened by the Spirit. They have all the blessings that the Word of God has to offer. And yet they turn and walk away. If you've tasted the Lord is gracious, the heavenly blessings, being quickened by the Spirit, being enlightened by the Word, if we've tasted all those things that God has to offer us, it's because we spent time in the Word of God. You know, myself or Jordan or Jansen, we can tell you, this is how we think you ought to be saved. That really doesn't amount to much. But we turn to a passage and talk about, hear, hear the word and keep the word, and those who hear the word and keep the word have everlasting life. That means something. We turn to a passage and say, the word is spirit and life. That means something. Because that comes from God. It comes from God who is living and God who is powerful. When we say, taste the word, coming for us, that's nothing. Coming from God, that means something. 
He said, you experience the Lord. Experience salvation the Lord has to offer. Experience that. Experience what it is to, to have your sins forgiven. Experience what it is to have your sins washed away. Experience what it is having changed your mind about God and about sin. Experience what it is to come to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Experience that in your life. But don't just experience salvation initially. Experience transformation too. Taste and see the word of the Lord is good. Let that word operate on our hearts. Let that word change us because we become so intimately acquainted and we spend time each day imbibing, feeding on the word of God. It's just like coming to your table though. We can invite you to the word of God every Sunday. But until you and I sit down and take that word of God into our hearts daily, we'll not be transformed by it. And will not be changed. It's so interesting that Diocletian and Voltaire thought they had destroyed the Word of God. And now the Word of God is more available in every kind of format than you could possibly ever imagine. It's not just in the book anymore, it's digital in every form you want to have it digital. The Word of God will not pass away, though all heaven and earth might. Come to the Lord because the Word of God teaches you. While we stand up, while we Thank you for connecting with us this morning. We're so thankful that you were able to do that. If you have questions, we'd love to have the opportunity to talk to you. You can contact us at www.thebibleway.com or questions at thebibleway.com. Questions at thebibleway.com. We'd love to have you in person. Come if you can, but thank you for connecting with us.